And Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord, desiring to be, to be right with you. God, desiring you to be our King. Lord, that we may shout your praise with the rest of the heavens. Lord, that we may worship you more than we worship ourselves. Father, this morning as we talk about the issue of health and forgiveness, Father, may you challenge us. May you challenge us to be forgiven. May you challenge us to forgive. Lord, may you help us to be able to do that very thing which is so terribly difficult for people. Lord, it's easy for us to want to be the king of our own lives because that seems the most reasonable and that seems the best. But only when we allow you to be king are we really capable of having the life that you desire for us to have. Father, one of the ways that we can do that is just to go to you and ask for forgiveness from you for anything that we've done wrong, any sin, any brokenness, any selfishness, any struggle that's in our lives. So, Father, we're just going to take a moment right now, each of us individually, to go to you and ask for forgiveness. Let's just do that right now. Father, forgive us of those things, Lord. And this morning, as we worship you, we thank you that you are willing to forgive us. We thank you that you have given us the power to forgive others. Father, we thank you that you have given us the ability to be forgiving of others as well. And Father, we just thank you that you will work in our lives and make forgiveness a priority if we just allow you to do that. Father, we all struggle with it. And so, Lord, this morning we ask that you would help us in this way. You would help us with forgiveness. And that, Father, we might be able to experience you in our lives. Your Holy Spirit poured out for us, Lord, that we may be able, poured out into our lives, that we may be able to practice forgiveness on a very regular basis. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. In our world today, there's a lot of emphasis on being physically fit and physically healthy, right? We all know you can't go to Safeway or Save Mart without passing a million magazines that emphasize the importance of being physically fit. The problem is, is that we live in a world where people are very, very concerned about being physically fit but oftentimes very unconcerned about being emotionally fit or spiritually fit. We worry about the exterior. We worry about the outside. We don't worry about the inside. We think if we look beautiful on the inside, that we'll be great on the, if we look beautiful on the outside, that we'll be great on the inside. In fact, I could say this. We all probably know someone who looks beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, well, let's just say they leave a lot to be desired, right? Yes, I think we all know someone like that. Um, and so today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to do a little mini-series for two weeks about one of the ways that we may, look, may, may make ourselves look good on the inside. More specifically, one of the ways that we may be emotionally happy 
and spiritually healthy. One of the things that God has called for us to do who are believers in Christ, that we would be willing to forgive others and to be able to be forgiven. So we're going to be talking about that over the next two weeks in our mini-series. Fresh Choice is the series that we're going to do. I know it's a restaurant. I don't particularly like Fresh Choice. I don't, maybe I shouldn't say that, but uh, because it's too healthy, right? I mean, that's, there's no, where's the meat, right? That's always asked when I go there. And so uh, where's the steak, you know, right? Uh, but uh, anyway, we want to make a fresh choice in our lives. We want to be able to be healthy on the inside. We want to be able to be spiritually and emotionally healthy. And I think as we're going to argue over the next two weeks, that forgiveness is critical, if not perhaps the most important act that we can do to be spiritually and emotionally healthy. When we talk about forgiveness, I know that forgiveness is a tough subject. Let me just mention something about forgiveness. Every Sunday morning, what do I do? I know it drives some of you crazy. Some of you like it. But every Sunday morning, we have a time of confession because forgiveness is something that is not only biblical, but it's critical for our lives. Um, Every year, we do a series on forgiveness. Why? Because forgiveness is one of the hardest things that God calls us to do. By the way, we cannot love if we cannot forgive. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We cannot be a true follower of Jesus if we cannot forgive. In fact, we can't really do anything good in life if we cannot forgive. Forgiveness is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Forgiveness is at the heart of what it means to be spiritually and emotionally healthy. I could argue this this way as we just set up this mini-series, which is this. Forgiveness is the hardest thing to do. You say, oh, loving someone, that's hard. No. (laughs) Forgiving someone when they've hurt you, that's harder right? Because love we can generalize, love we can romanticize, love we can, you know, oh, it's love. But forgiveness, to be able to actually forgive someone and then turn around and be willing to be their friend, that takes a lot more than probably anything else. Why is forgiveness so difficult? Well, we'll talk about that a little bit too. But forgiveness is absolutely critical for us. If there's nothing else, if you fall asleep at this point in the message and you don't wake up again till the end, just remember this. Forgiveness is the most important thing that you can do. Forgiveness towards God, forgiveness towards other people. Absolutely critical for spiritual and emotional health. Our two-week mini-series is why forgiveness is good for you. My mama told me that I should eat vegetables. My mama told me that I should eat fruits. My mama told me if I eat this, it'll be good for me. Well, the Bible tells us that forgiveness is good for us in the same way. So let's break it down and talk about it. Here's our strategy. Today we're going to look at happiness and blessing, and we're going to talk a little bit. The Bible doesn't, is not really a book about happiness. The Bible's not really a book about blessing. It's more a book about what we do in our relationship with God. That's the whole point of the Bible. I know sometimes people on TV make it seem like the Bible's all about just being happy. Being happy is not where it's at. Being what God wants us to be is where it's at. Forgiveness is that. Forgiveness doesn't always make you happy because sometimes you have to sort of, uh, how do I say this, suck it up and you know, go to the person and ask for forgiveness. And that's hard. And it doesn't make you very happy. And it doesn't make you very happy for a long time. And sometimes it doesn't make you happy at all. But it's the right thing to do because it clears your heart and it clears your spirit and it allows God to work more powerfully in your life. God desires your health. He does not desire your happiness. Let me say it another way. God desires you to be perfect, to be like him, to be right in what you do, more than he desires for you to have a fake emotion to go around life with. Sometimes life is hard, but forgiveness is critical because it will keep us, even when life is hard, it will keep us from being beaten down and being damaged by life. And life really, really wants to beat us down and wants to damage us. All right. Let's let's see what the Bible says this morning as we look at a a passage. We're going to look at, um, oh, 1 Peter. Is it my 1 Peter this morning or is that next week? Uh, Yeah, 1 Peter. That's what I thought. 1 Peter chapter 3. It will be up on the big screen as you can see. You might want to turn in your Bibles there too. I'm going to turn in my Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 8 through 12. If you guys want to turn there real quickly and uh, keep your finger on it, we'll be talking about this a little bit uh, here this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 8 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. All right, here we go. 
Here's what the Bible says here about this issue. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. By the way, this is not talking about non-believers here. This is talking about believers in Christ. If, if you are here today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus, then this is not fully applicable to you until you make that commitment. It's really critical that you do make that commitment to follow Jesus because otherwise you will not be able to experience the fullness of forgiveness. Okay, So I just want to be fair and upfront at the beginning. So sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, and here uh, he's quoting the Old Testament, if you, the Psalms, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. The Bible doesn't hold anything back, just being really honest there. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. Now, just a side note, when the Bible says right, so we're all clear, what does that mean? Does it mean good person, right? Because there's lots of good people. Everybody who's upper middle class, you ask them if they're a good person, they all say yes. That's not what it's talking about. When the Bible says right, it means made right according to God. That when they're right in the eyes of God by having a relationship with him, and following through with his plan for their life okay so the lord will watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers but the lord turns his face against those who do evil by the way again if we want to define evil yes we're talking about murderers and stuff like that but the upper middle class guy that uh is not a very good father not a very good husband not a very good anything uh except maybe to his boss um, and doesn't have a relationship with God, that also counts in that example as well. And by the way, not very forgiving also, because where there's forgiveness, there's love. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we know that to be true. All right, three ideas we're going to follow along here this morning. Um, you've got your handout. You can follow along with me if you want to, but three ideas here real quickly is that we must be willing to love, that in order for, for us to be emotionally happy, emotionally healthy, spiritually happy, spiritually, spiritually healthy, we must be willing to love other people. But we're going to talk about what love means from a biblical perspective because it is not just simply having an emotion that we're talking about here. Unselfish love for each other keeps our hearts tender. When the Bible challenges us to love each other, and let me just pick it up here in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8 here. Uh, when the Bible challenges us to love each other, it says sympathize with each other, love each other's brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, keep a humble attitude. The Bible's challenging us as Christians that we should be willing to love other people. But when it talks here about love, why did I use the word unselfish love here? Because our society is more interested in defining love as selfish love. When we talk about the differentiation between the idea of love in the Bible, the kind of love that the Bible wants us to have, and the kind of love society wants us to have, it's very different. When we go to uh, Saveway, save, nah, there's no Saveway, Save Mart or Safeway, right? There we go. We go to Safeway, we go to Save Mart, and we look at Cosmopolitan or we look at some of these magazines. Most of these magazines are designed to get you what you want, right? You do this and you get what you want. And selfish love is the hallmark of the world. Selfish love is where the world it comes from in its definition and view of love. Everything that you do is to get what you want and to get what you need. We dress ourselves up, we make ourselves look pretty, we do the things that we do in order to get what we need from other people rather than to be able to give other people what they need. This is the challenge, right? Because we know what we need. I don't have to ask any of you what you need. You know what you need. Some of you need to go down to Santana Row and buy a lot of stuff. Some of you need someone who will pour out their whole life for you. Some of you need this, some of you need that. We could go down the list of different things. That need, that desire, that selfishness, we all can answer that. We can all easily tell what we want. But when it comes to loving someone else, it's figuring out what they want as opposed to what we want. People enter into marriages that way. We say, oh, I love you, honey. But when we say that, we generally mean I love you as long as you do what makes me happy, right? Some of you are awake this morning. 
few of you. Right? Isn't that what we mean, sort of? I'll be honest. I mean, I didn't mean to do it that way, but, you know, a lot of times I say I love you, but I really mean I love you as long as you do what I want you to do, right? And so because of the brokenness that exists in our lives, selfish love is the default for people. No one is created good. No one is created unselfishly. No one is created in a way that allows them to be completely loving. In fact, the sin that's in our lives, it starts from the moment we're born and carries through our entire life, uh, certainly until we know Jesus, and then it, it doesn't no longer uh, makes us to be selfish. But that sin keeps us from being unselfish in our love. But the Bible calls us to be unselfish in our relationship with others. That when we are believers, that we will love each other unselfishly. That we will think about other people before ourselves. Now, how does this work in church? Because Peter's very concerned about this idea in church and in community. How do we, how do we determine what is unselfish love? You know, in church, a lot of times people come and they have expectations about what other people in church will do. They have expectations about the way other people will behave. You know, I tell everyone here at BBC that lots of people come in BBC from all kinds of different backgrounds. You can't necessarily assume that someone who comes in is a Christian, that someone comes in is anything. It's, that's, that would be a wrong idea to assume anything. When we live in a city, so there's no point in even mixing words about this. We know this. When you go to, to, to the great mall and you go shopping, the guy in front of you or the woman behind you in line, you don't assume that they're necessarily a nice person. You don't assume anything about them. You just don't know them. And so, you know, because we live in a city, we're a little bit careful, right? We're a little bit, you know, if somebody acts strangely, then we're a little bit um, careful about dealing with that person. But God is calling us that when we are with our brothers and sisters in Christ to be much more forgiving and much more unselfish in our relationship with them. When we know that someone else is especially a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, that we want to extend to them every amount of unselfish love. This goes into our families, this goes into our communities, this goes into our churches. That our calling is to be unselfish. Now, do we be unselfish with non-believers as well, with people who have never made a decision to follow Christ? Yeah, we do. We do. The Bible doesn't make a huge differentiation there, but it does call us to be willing to especially be unselfish with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Of course, Jesus also says that what? That if, you know, got to love our enemies too, even those who hate us. And so that's really hard. It's really hard to forgive people. It's really hard to be unselfish when other people are selfish. How do you do that, by the way? How do you love someone who doesn't love you? How do you, that's, we can fight that one. But the harder one is, how do you forgive someone who is not willing to forgive you? See, that's the hard one, forgiveness. Forgiveness is always the most difficult when you boil it down. Most of us, if you're sitting in here today, most of us, there's probably five or ten people easily that you have not forgiven. What do you think? I have one honest person here this morning. Do I have some more? There's probably a bunch of people in your life that you've either not forgiven or that you struggle to forgive. You know what? Every day, every day we struggle, fight this battle and we struggle with this struggle. Every day someone, some idiot cuts me off here when I'm trying to get on the road here on, on the Capitol Avenue to get on 680. Every time. And can I forgive that person though? Not just, you know, wave at them. Can I forgive them? Well, I know it's possible, and Helen and I know it's possible, but it's hard. It's hard. But if we want to have spiritual and emotional healthy, healthiness, we will do it. Unselfish love for each other keeps our heart tender. Why do I say, why does the Bible talk about being tenderhearted? Because the problem is, is that in order for our heart to remain tender, we must actively use it in the right way. The heart is a muscle, right? I won't make too much of the science of it, but the heart's a muscle. To get a muscle to do good, you have to do what with it? Exercise, right? If you don't exercise something, it atrophies and it dies. The heart is a muscle, and so we must exercise it by using it and when we love people, when we forgive people. Of course, the heart is not actually what does it. I'm using that as an example, as a metaphor. But 
when we forgive people, the Bible talks about our heart will become tender. When we love people, our heart will become tender. Now, why is tenderness very important? Well, let me just move on and let me give you an example here. Um, hard hearts are only good for hate and revenge. If we go to the other extreme and we talk about someone who is hard-hearted, what does it mean that they are? They're unable to forgive. They're unable to, uh, to do anything good. The harder the heart of a person, the more likely they are to hate people, the more likely they are to hurt people, the more likely they are to be uh, just a negative, nasty person. As all of you guys know, the U.S. has uh, encountered several uh, crazy things in the last couple of weeks, right? This is the picture of the IRS building in Austin. And I don't know if you guys read the, the screed that this guy wrote, um, you know, and some people try to say, oh, he's this kind of person or he's this. Forget that stuff. You know what? This guy just hated everybody. If you read, if you read the six-page manifesto, he hated everybody. That's the only thing. This guy, I don't know. I don't know anything about him, but I know when you read it that his heart was very hard. His heart was very hard. He was unable to forgive. He was unable to love. His heart had become so calcified and such a rock in his body that it no longer did any good for him to be able to do anything. And so he just threw his life away on doing something stupid and killed somebody else as well. Now, we may not fly an airplane into the IRS building, but every single day that our heart becomes more hard, we hurt other people around us, don't we? Let me just ask a question. You have a friend of yours. Your friend of yours comes up to you and says, I can't believe you're wearing that dress or that skirt with that blouse. That does not go together at all. And what do you say? Your heart becomes hard, doesn't it? Who do they think they are? That's what I want to know, right? Who do they think they are? Your heart becomes a little bit harder. And you know what? You say, I'm not going to do anything more with that friend. I'm going to show them next time I'm going to get them back. And what happens? Our heart becomes harder and harder and harder over time. You know, just one little episode like that does not make us hard-hearted. But over time, our heart becomes harder and harder and harder. And the harder our heart is, the more difficult it is for us to love other people and the more difficult it is to be able to forgive them. What is it that breaks a hard heart? What is it that will keep a heart tender-hearted? What is it that will make a heart be reasonable? Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate. Pay them back with a blessing. You know, when we talk about these issues, in my experience and from reading the Bible, love is the only thing that keeps our heart tender-hearted. But when we talk about how do we practice love, the number one thing that will keep our heart tender-hearted more than anything else is to be able to forgive other people, to be able to forgive. You know, when we think about God and we think about him sending his son Jesus to be here, to be our savior and to be our redeemer, God's greatest act was to be able to do what? Was to forgive us, right? I mean, he could have said all those times that you rejected me, all those times you ignored me, all those times you prayed silly things like help me to pass this test. We talked about this last couple of weeks, right? Treating God like an idol. All these times that you did this stuff, you know, you treated me like crap. And yet I am willing to forgive you. That's how great my love is for you. If we want to be able to show love to other people, it starts with forgiveness. Listen, I know not everybody's married, but marriage does make a good example of this. So for those of us who are married, what happens is when you get married, you've been married for a couple years, the magic's gone, right? The passion's gone. You know, you're just, you're just living with this person now. And every little slight that they do, you like writing it down, right? Oh man, she didn't fix me breakfast this morning. I'm putting this down in my book right? And you put it down, you got, and for too long, you've got this big monster volume of like 2,000 pages of everything they did wrong in your heart, right? And, you, and if you're like my wife, I'm just going to tell her, but she'll be like, on July 18, 1975, uh, Douglas did not uh, take out the trash. Now, of course, we didn't know each other in 1975, but if we did, she would remember exactly what day it would be. She could probably remember the hour, okay? That's how good she is about that, or bad. I'm not sure which one that is. 
And so what happens is, is that it's easy when we remember wrongs, when we remember what other people did, when we're unable to forgive them, to constantly hold it against them. When you hold something against someone, you're holding them at a distance, right? Stay away from me. You hurt me last time. You said something that will bother me. You're, you're going to hurt me again. And you know what? It's all about this. But you know why? You know what happens? This is selfish love. This is an ex- indicative of it. Because if they give us something, we'll be, okay, you can get, you know what? You can give me a nice new guitar. I'll take that from you. Sure. Okay. Come on. You can buy me a new car. Yeah, I'll take that from you. You know, anything that I want to pass through here is fine, but I'm not letting you get into me. I'm not letting you get into my heart. I'm not letting you get into my life. I'm not letting you in inside anymore. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be your friend. I'm not going to be your spouse. I'm not going to be your buddy. I'm not going to be your brother. I'm not going to be your sister. I'm not going to do any of that again. And we do that. As people, we build barriers of hate around us. We do. And call it what you want, but that's, that's what it is. We build barriers around us designed to keep people out. Now, let me just mention this. We don't have time to cover it today, but there's also something called a boundary. And, and I'm a real big fan of boundaries. Uh, there's a book by Cloud and Townsend, which I highly recommend for anyone who has trouble with boundaries. At least 30, 40% of you will be in this category. Um, and in that book, he describes what is a healthy boundary and what is not a healthy boundary. By the way, they're believers, and their arguments come from Scripture. Uh, but basically, one of the problems is, is that when you deal with boundaries, you're supposed to have a healthy boundary around your life. But unhealthy people invade your boundary all the time. W- what do they do? They ask you for things they shouldn't be asking. They treat you ways they shouldn't be treating you, right? And, and so we're not talking about you being a doormat, because that would be a bad boundary. But we're talking about you being able to love someone enough to forgive them when they intrude upon you, but don't let them do that again when, the time, when, when, that is, when that is critical. Let me give you an example and why this is not an example of hard-heartedness. Let's say someone on Sunday morning, I walk into church. I'll just use church example because that would be universally applicable. I come in, you know, I walk into church and someone says to me, Pastor, I really hate whatever. I mean, just, you know. Actually, we don't have so much a problem here at, at this church, but there's been other churches I have where you're more likely to encounter that. People are like, I hate this. I'm like, okay, right? I could be like really offended. I could be mad. I could be defensive, right? But what I'm going to do is I'm going to try, and notice the key word there is try, I'm going to try to forgive them. Even if I have to go to God and be like, God, I, I don't know if I can right now, but I'm going to try to forgive them. That allows my heart to be tender and to remain tender, but I'm not necessarily going to allow them to speak to me that way there on. Let me give you another example. Um, in, in, um, in my life, I had a relative of mine who was always trying to hurt my feelings, okay? Not a believer. They're not a believer. Hate God. Always trying to hurt my feelings. They don't like what I do for a living, among other things. And they would always try to hurt my feelings, and it was becoming a problem because I was becoming hard-hearted in my relationship with them. And so I had to really be able to learn to forgive that person. But I didn't at the same time allow that person to trample all over me. I remained tender-hearted towards them. But when they got ready to say, oh, and you, I'd be like, listen, I'm, not gonna, I'm sorry, but I, no offense, I am not going to listen to that anymore. I'm going to be tender-hearted and I'm going to forgive, but I'm not going to allow you to invade my boundaries. Okay? So what happens is, is that we must be tender-hearted. We must be loving. But loving doesn't mean for us to be a doormat for people either. It doesn't mean to allow people to abuse you. And sometimes I think in churches people misunderstand that. It it calls us, the Bible calls us to be willing to forgive other people, but not be abused by other people. Are we good on that? All right, let's move on. Um, We must be willing to forgive. Love is critical. Forgiveness, though, as a part of love, is absolutely essential. We must be willing to forgive. It's a fact of life that people will hurt you. The Bible says this. Uh, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults with pe- when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. And then there's a couple other things. Turn away from evil and do what is right. So here's the problem. 
The Bible never gives us the idea that there will be a utopia in this world that we will ever achieve some type of perfect situation where no one ever hurts our feelings or no one is ever rude or evil or angry or anything like that. It's just not possible. Why? Because if we take the Bible seriously, we will take our own brokenness seriously. Every single person that is born into our world is born into our world broken and damaged, selfish, the Bible uses the word sin to characterize all those elements. We are born into the world with this kind of brokenness in our lives. And by being broken people, broken people like to do what to each other? Broken people like to vomit all over each other. That's what they do. When, when you're broken, you have no sense of boundary. You have no sense of love. You have no sense of right or wrong. You just kind of do what you do. Why is it sometimes, and most of you experience this, you'll have someone who is, has a really, quote-unquote, messed up life. And they'll come to you and they'll pour out all their problems on you. Have you guys ever experienced that before? Some of you, many of you, uh, probably all of us, right? Why do they do that? You're sitting there like, this is too much information. I don't want to know this, right? But why do they do that? Why do they pour out so much of themselves? Because they don't know what else to do. They've got all this brokenness inside and they just want to be, just get it out. And if they make you unhappy in the, in the, in, to make themselves a little bit happier, so be it. Did you notice what I said there? If they make themselves happy, even if it costs you unhappiness to do it, they're willing to do it. Why? Because we all learn selfish love. That's what we learn. That's what we know. We all know how to make ourselves feel better, even at the expense of other people. So, here's the problem. It's a fact of life that people are going to hurt you. There's no way I or anyone else can protect you from being hurt. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be hurt. People are going to make you mad. People are going to be insulting. People are going to be rude. People are going to be non-forgiving. People are going to be unloving. That's the truth. I don't know how to sugarcoat it, but I do know, and I don't want to sugarcoat it, but I do know that the Bible has a remedy for it. Not a way to eliminate it, but a way to make it right and a way to make it better. When a person hurts you, it becomes paramount and critical that you forgive them. If not, you will never be able to experience the life or the health that God wants you to have. You'll never be able to experience the blessings that God wants you to have if you cannot forgive them and if you cannot love them. It is a challenge for us a challenge for us to be able to forgive because you know why we don't want to we want to hurt them like they hurt us <clears throat> you know when i wrestle with my three-year-old son and he doesn't really know the difference between play wrestle and like real wrestling so we'll be wrestling and he'll suddenly haul off and punch me right in the face. Right? And I'm like, dude, you can't do that. That's, that's, that's not wrestling. That's, that's something else. Right? But he doesn't know, you know. So we're trying to teach him the parameters. Uh, he was playing with one of his buddies and they were out there running around and he just runs at him and tackles him. My wife says, awesome football tackle. Totally tackled him. But then she had to like stop laughing and stop, you know, okay, on the inside. Had to be like, why? Don't do that. You know what I mean? And uh and so the thing is, is that when, when I wrestle with Wyatt, when I play with him, you know, he knows how to respond back. I mean, if I push him, what's he going to do? He's three. He's going to push me back if he doesn't go and cry. That's what he'll do. Because he understands real quickly. We all learn from the very beginning that when somebody hits you, you hit them back. By the way, going and crying is not forgiving either for those of us who are more of the runners than the fighters. Because a certain percentage of people are the runners. Someone hurts you and you just run away. But that's not forgiveness. And by the way, it's not spiritual either. Sometimes people in church always try to tell me that somehow, you know, sticking your head in the ground like an ostrich. I know ostriches don't do that. But as the story goes, sticking your head in the ground like an ostrich um, is somehow more spiritual. It's not. It's not. It's equally bad because it's not forgiving and it's not loving. It's a fact of life that people will hurt you, and so the only, the only solution you have is to forgive them. Unfortunately, we live in a sinful, broken world whose default is always to hurt and to harm, but the, the solution, the remedy to that is to be willing to forgive. 
why do I say it that way? Well, let me give you an example. You have two options, okay? You can either, number one, you can either not forgive and you can fight them or run away from them. What kind of life does that produce? If you fight every single person who fights with you, if you insult every person who insults you, what's going to happen to you? You're going to live a kind of miserable life, right? Is anybody going to want to be your friend and, be, and play with you? No. We don't like those kind of people, right? Nobody likes those kind of people. That's not a good solution. I don't even have to appeal to the Bible on that one. That's not a good solution. Let me give you another example. If you run away from everything, every time someone's going to try to hurt you, is that a good solution? The end result of that is you're going to lock yourself in a room. You'll be crazy. Okay? Crazy. People ain't going to want to be your friend. You're not going to be married. Not going to have any type of relationship with your kids. Any type of stuff. You're going to be, you're going to be just afraid. That's not a good solution. You know, I, I know there's actually a third solution. You could go read every self-help book in Barnes & Noble. You know, the five steps to your inner child making it feel better. Go ahead, try it, but it's, it's not going to work. The Bible tells us that when we forgive others, that God's blessing works through that because we release all that badness and it's gone. You know what? You can insult me. You can, someone can insult you, and you have the power to make that insult go away completely. When you forgive someone, they have no power over you. Hey, what did we talk about the last couple of weeks when we ended our series on idolatry? We said idols only have the power that we give them. And you know what? Hurtful people, with the exception of some physical acts of violence, hurtful people only have the power that you give them. You know, pretty much every Sunday, I call Ramir old at some point in our services, right? At some point on Sunday, I make fun of Ramir being old, you know, with a walker or a cane or something like that, right? And you know what? That may hurt Ramir's feelings. <clears throat> but the only power that that joke has over Ramir is if he allows it to get into his heart and not forgive. And to hold that in his heart against me. That's the only power that it has. If we want to have power over our lives, our emotional health and our spiritual health, it starts with us forgiving other people. We take control of our life because we don't allow that person to hurt us anymore. If we love God, we will forgive those who hurt us. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. If we love God, we will forgive those who hurt us because God calls us to do this. Why does he call us to do it? If you want reasons, number one, God says forgive people. I forgave you, you can forgive other people. See, that's a big part of it because we can say, we can sort of buy in this idea that, you know what, I don't have to forgive people because they don't forgive me. That's not why you forgive someone. You, if you're a believer in Christ, you forgive someone because God forgave you. You know, Jesus even tells a story of this. He tells a story, the parable of the, I forget what the Bible's usually called, the parable of the unforgiving servant or something like that. And this dude basically, you know, he, he, he owes the king money and the king says, I want you to pay the money that you owe me. And the servant says, well, I don't have the money. Will you please forgive the money for me? And the king says, yeah, I'll give you six more years. Go ahead and do whatever you're going to do. And the, and the guy, the servant, he goes out and he goes to all of the people that owe him money. And he says, I want you to give me the money you owe me. And the, the people that owe him money say, we don't have it. Can you give us a few years? And he goes, no, give it to me now. And he put him in prison. And then when the king who let the, the main servant off finds out, He's furious because he was willing to forgive the one guy and then that guy would not be willing to forgive other people. What is that, what is that passage saying? It's saying that God forgave us. We doggone be, better be ready to forgive other people.
Because what we did to God is more insulting than what anyone has done to you. Now, let me say that again so we're all clear. Wake up for this part, and then you can go back to sleep. What you have done to God is more hurtful than what any other person has done to you. Got it? If God is willing to forgive you, if you are a believer in Christ, there you must, must, must be willing to forgive someone else. Oh, and by the way, there's a good reason too, because it keeps you tender-hearted. It keeps you sane. It keeps you normal. It keeps you happy. Keeps you healthy on the inside. When you forgive, you're able to experience love. When you're able, you know, nothing stops love like unforgiveness. I'll tell you what, in your marriage, if you're married here, don't forgive your spouse for like a month. Find out what kind of just wonderful marriage you're going to have. At every turn, just stop forgiving them for a month. I'm not actually recommending you do this, this is an experiment. But it is not going to make your marriage better. Go make it a whole lot worse. If we love God, we will forgive those who hurt us. Forgiveness is terribly hard, which is why it's critical to have real relationship with God. Listen, I will argue here that a non-Christian does not have the real ability to forgive. So if you're here this morning, you're like, well, I'm not a Christian, but like, I can forgive and it's going to be cool and I want to be loving. It's not going to happen. I'm just going to be just honest with you. You cannot do it with any amount of consistency. Why? because you are still in charge of your life. The only person who really has the power to help us to forgive is God. And if we're honest here this morning, you can think of people who you're like, I am never going to forgive that person. But only by the power of God are you able to forgive. God will enable you to forgive your enemies. God will enable you to forgive people who abuse you. God will enable you to forgive people who hurt you. And every time that you do, God blesses you for it, and your heart becomes less hard and more soft and more tender. Who wants to be friends with a hard-hearted person? Do you? I don't. I don't want to be hard. I don't want to be friends with a hard-hearted person. There's enough hard-hearted people in the world already, right? I don't want that. How do you expect anyone to be your friend or to love you if you're not lovable? And being lovable is not really about the makeup and the clothes and the looking like Mr. Incredible. I mean, that's nice. Not going to deny it. But being lovable is about the condition of our heart and the condition of our spirit. And when our heart and our spirit is a cold stone, it's not lovable. It's not level. Can you love a rock? How many of you had a pet rock when you were like six? Come on, be honest with me. Pet rock, anybody? Matt had a pet rock. Okay. Did you love it? Did you sleep with it? Did you curl up with it? No? Okay. All right. So much for that idea. Okay. So can we agree here that you cannot love a stone? You cannot love a rock? Some of you know people who are like that, right? You love them? Can you have a relationship with them? No. It's terribly difficult. You must have relationship with God because God is the only one who can allow you to forgive the harder situations in life. He's the only one who can do it. By the way, studies show that more than 10% of women suffer physical and sexual abuse in their life. Only God is going to be able to take that away. Only God can do that. Okay? If you have experienced that, by the way, I think you should definitely sit down with a godly woman who is a professional and she can help as well. But only God can take away that level and that depth of pain. I know guys experience that too, but the ladies, I think it's, it's more difficult for them, more terrible for them. God may not remove it from your life, but he can make it better. And he can make it so that it is forgiven in your life, that you are able to forgive, and that your heart does not remain damaged your spirit does not remain damaged because of it. And that's what happens. We become damaged, and then we, nobody wants to be around us because we can't forgive and because we're just not a lovable person, meaning that we can't love other people. 
because we're more concerned about the damage and hurt that's in our lives, because we can't forgive. Thirdly, we are blessed when we forgive. The Bible tells us here, and we're not going to finish this whole thing this morning because we're almost out of time, but the Bible tells us that we are blessed when we are able to forgive. That is why God has called you to do this and will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil to people, your lips from telling lies, turn away from evil and do what is right. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Forgiveness brings peace to our lives. You know, uh, I know you guys have been here for, those of you who have been here for a while, you know I make fun of uh, the whole 60s, you know, peace, love, and harmony, uh, you know, height and Asbury kind of thing, because that's not real peace. That's just, you know, a little bit of drugs and a little bit of kumbaya and a little bit of, well, we'll keep it PG. You know what I mean, right? And, uh, and so that's what that is. And all those people got up the next day and hated each other, and that's just the way it is. And they hate even to this day. That ain't going to solve your problem. But if you want to experience peace in your life, forgiveness will make that happen. You know why? Because if you're able to forgive everyone, everyone who's ever offended you, and by the way, except for the power of God, will never happen. But if you're able to forgive every single person who has ever hurt you, the weight of the world is lifted off your shoulders at that point. There's no more hate. There's no more anger. There's no more frustration. There's no more any of that stuff. You're good because you don't hold anything against anyone. You're not holding things over people's head. You, at that point, become lovable because you're able to love freely and receive love freely. You're able to give love freely and receive love freely because there's no baggage. There's no holding back. There's no fear because all those things have been cast out of your heart because your heart is tender. You have to have good boundaries, but your heart is tender at that point. Forgiveness brings peace to our lives because people can no longer hurt us when we see them at the grocery store. Oh, that was that person. When we see them at the doctor's office. Oh, that was that person that did that. We're free. We're free. Freedom brings peace. And peace, when we have it in our lives, is a very powerful thing. Do you want peace in your life? If I ask all of you that, the answer would be yes. You would all say yes. There'd be no one who would say no. No one would say no. We would all say yes. We all want to be at peace. We want to live in that kind of environment. That would be awesome. And yet it starts with us being able to forgive other people and love other people. Forgiveness brings God's blessing to us. We're just going to uh, stop right here for today. And let me just say this. The thing is, is that it is impossible for us to receive blessing without doing what God calls us to do. This is the big lie, because the two lies that we experience in our world, generally in the West, is number one, if you're rich, you're famous, you're successful, then you will be blessed. But that is not what blessing is. And by the way, again, we can go look at all the people on the cover of the magazines, and we can follow them around the video camera, and we will find some very unhappy people. Very unhappy people, which is why they kill themselves far more frequently than the rest of society does. There's also the myth that goes on in the church that, you know, if you just come to church and you just praise and worship, and, you know, you do this sort of religious thing every once in a while that you'll be, you'll be happy. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that unless we have a real deep and abiding relationship with God, one that, by the way, includes forgiving other people because that's how can God forgive us if we are not willing to forgive others, right? The Bible actually says that, by the way. Do you know that? The Bible says that God is not so keen on forgiving us if we can't forgive others. God will forgive us of every single thing, but he wants us to forgive others as well. That's what he calls us to do. And so <clears throat> blessing doesn't come by listening to the right speaker. Doesn't, blessing doesn't come by going to the right church. Blessing doesn't come by lifting up our hands and during worship. Blessing comes by doing what God asks us to do. And loving God and loving other people is the number one thing. We love other people only because we have a relationship with Christ. Notice I say, when I say love, I mean unselfishly. Anyone can love someone who loves them, right? 
I mean, David Knobloch calls me every week and tells me, Pastor, I love you. You're awesome, man. You're awesome. You're the greatest guy I've ever known. I wish I could be just like you. You're my hero, Pastor, right? David calls me every week and tells me that, right, David? No, I just kidding. But you know, if he did, it'd be really easy to love him, right? I'd be like, okay, yeah, David's a good guy. I, I, I like David. I like David, right? <clears throat> Lido calls me every week and says, I hate you, Pastor. You, you suck. You stink. Get out of my life, right? Again, I'm kidding. Lido doesn't do that. Who would I love more? <laughs> Is it? There's no brainer, right? No brainer. David, yes. Lido, eh, no way. But with the power of God, we are able to love both of those men, both of those people. And you know what? God's gift of Jesus Christ, his gracious gift to us, has opened the door so that we may be forgiven by God and that we may forgive others. The question this morning is, are you willing to be forgiven by God and are you willing to forgive others? Are you willing to love God? Are you willing to love others? Are you willing to be forgiven by God? Are you willing to go to him, ask for forgiveness for what you've done wrong? And are you willing to forgive others? You can't do one without the other. Listen, I know people sit in churches all the time and they say, God, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. And they're not willing to love, for, forgive other people and love other people. And it doesn't work. It's not legit, folks. Not legit. According to the Bible, not legit. You got to be willing to forgive other people too so that God will be willing to forgive you. God's willing. He's going to do it. God will do it. You ask, he will do it. But God expects you to do the same thing. He loves you. He expects you to love other people. Why does he expect that? Well, because God's not a God who just, we sort of just play around with and ignore. We're not just lukewarm, right? We've been talking about this whole lukewarm thing. Not just this lukewarm God that we just sort of, you know, know when we want to know, a fair weather friend, but someone we're serious with, someone we commit to. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord. And let me just give the opportunity. I'm going to give several opportunities. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed here this morning. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Father, it, maybe there's someone here this morning who does not know you, who does not have a relationship with you and needs to go to you and ask for forgiveness for what they've done in their life. If there's anyone here this morning who wants to commit their lives to you uh, through the sacrifice of Jesus this morning and be forgiven by you for the first time, just lift up your hand. Anyone here this morning who feels that way? First time, anyone here this morning? Okay, then maybe, Lord, there's someone here this morning who needs to forgive others. Father, it's not going to be easy. But I'm just going to take a moment right now. And if you're here and you need to forgive other people, do it. Forgive them. Ask God, if you're here today and there's someone you need to forgive, ask God to help you to forgive that person. Ask God to help you to take that out of your life and for you to be tenderhearted. Father, I pray for everyone here this morning that they would be willing to forgive the person that they're thinking of, the people that they're thinking of. God, that you would help them to be tenderhearted, that you would help them to love other people, that you would help them forgive. Father, we all need it, me, everyone. We all need it. Help us to do this. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.